Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio. 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to Think Again, presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organisation that has been dedicated to social change for over 20 years. I'm Jacques Boulet. And I'm Jennifer Burrell. Today we're talking about the commons and how we can better organise our lives for the common good and for the sustainability of our planet. Mm, have you noticed how our common land and resources are continually being gifted to companies for their private profit? I'm thinking of some public gardens, chunks of which have been given to private developers. For example, Gilpin Park in Brunswick, north of Melbourne. There are lots of other examples. So what happened to Melbourne's old city square? A huge development now encroaches on it so that it is more of a dark rectangular strip than a square. Mm, mm. Yeah, the, uh, the, the, the remaining bit is now being encircled <laughs> and closed to, to give access to the new uh, station mm-hmm. of the metro. So after that, we'll that, we get that back part the part of the not square hotel. that was given no, to commercial that, development. To a hotel. So that's gone forever. That's gone forever. Okay. That's right. So also, while we're crying out for more public housing, that land too has been gifted to developers on quite a few sites mm-hmm. in return for including some public housing in their new developments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, we, as I say, we lose that land forever. And then there's the private appropriation of water, including the water underground in the reservoirs and the, uh, whatever they're called, <laughs> catchment places, which is a huge issue with climate change and ongoing drought conditions. Who can forget the millions of dead fish on the Darling River system recently and the idiocy which led to it? private companies and agribusinesses being supported in developing inappropriate industrial farming, cotton for heaven's sakes, one of the most thirsty industrial crops in a semi-arid environment. Mm, and that's supported with our taxpayers' um, um, money. Totally. They're being allocated millions of megalitres of water, a large part then becoming surplus for their needs, which then they can resell for a price to other farms downstream or, for goodness sakes, to the government for environmental flows mm. to the river system downstream, making about $60 million private profit, profit in the process from that same allocated water. So we started with mm. a common product, water. water, exactly, produced by rain, which itself has been the product of millions of years of cloud-producing interaction between vegetation and the sun. That became a public good governed by a policy which allocated quantities of it to corporations and other Mm. private individuals or enterprises who then can sell the surplus of that private water back to the public, Mm. which is then expected to maintain the common river system through environmental flows and water provision for everyone Mm. downstream. Mm. That sounds like 
quite an evil cycle. <laughs> Who dreams up this stuff? Well, meanwhile, these downstream everyones, both fish and humans included, have been left in the lurch and uninformed about their situation, divided as they are in this private, commons and public triangle. So, yeah, private... Mm. Commons and public and triangle public. Mm-hmm. by government structures and regulations from local to state to federal and by rights of access and inadequate infrastructure. And of course, the growing global heating, drought, fires, all of that doesn't help, as we now certainly can notice mm. with fires in six states. Mm. So what a mess. And as I said, who dreams up this stuff. Just bring it down a little bit to things we all know in, in experience daily. Imagine if you went to the beach and suddenly you had to pay for shade by renting an umbrella or pay for access to the beach. That would get tongs wogging, mm. wouldn't it? Or imagine if the whole beach was shaded and yeah. you had to pay for the sun. Unbelievable. So, yeah, this whittling away of our common and public spaces and resources has been happening for some time now. And by now, I'm guessing most listeners would have their own examples. In reality, it has sort of crept up on us, this, this way of doing things, first in Europe between the 13th and the 17th century, to then later spread across the world thanks to European invasions everywhere by colonization and globalizing capitalism. So just a bit of British history here to illustrate. Whilst the Magna Carta in the early 13th century in Britain had given the common people in their villages and communities a right to access or right of access to the forests and the survival goods goods they needed from there, as well as leaving them a common piece of land, mm-hmm. hence the notion of the commons, where they could plant and harvest for their own use. The nobility and later the early manufacturers increasingly ignored these rights and illegally curtailed people's access to the commons. Yes, that's the stuff of Robin Hood novels and films. Eventually, such enclosures, as they were called, as they were called, were legalized mm-hmm. under the Enclosure Acts in the early 17th so, century under Elizabeth I. So, of course, to see them as enclosures, they're really enclosures mm-hmm. for they're, the, they're, the wealthy and the and powerful. They're, and they're exclusions for the common people. They're really excluding spaces. That's correct. Yeah. The laws allowed the lords and those in charge of management of their lands to enclose them and prevent people from using them for their livelihoods, instead running sheep and starting other productive activities, quote-unquote productive activities, mm-hmm. on them. This early instance of privatisation also created an instant welfare population because people needed to survive. Of millions. Uh, and there were millions from one day to the other almost after those laws were established. And they were left to fight for their survival in the growing industrial towns, harbours, uh, and through theft, begging, vagrant and occasional work, through prostitution and other what was referred to then as dangerous activities. Mm. So they were then referred to as the dangerous classes in the later centuries. And I guess that's when it became illegal to have no means of support. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Or to be poor and destitute. Mm. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, And this was after access to common land was taken from them by those in power. That's correct. Mm -hmm. And to control these so-called dangerous classes, the poor laws were updated. 
they set the tone for our present-day conceptions of welfare based on the work ethic and the need to deserve help before you are deemed mm, eligible for it. That sounds really familiar. Totally. That, so this stuff is 400 years old. Mm. And that led to, as Bauman in his book Work, Consumerism, the New Poor said, led to our stubborn insistence, in spite of massive evidence to the, country, to the contrary, that breaking the norm of universal work for living, that means the work ethic, is the prime cause of poverty. That's what we keep believing, mm. and that's what our governments keep believing, and that therefore the cure must be sought in leading the unemployed back to the labor market. And here is mm. hoping that some politician is listening. Yeah, rather uh, than just reiterating the idea that yeah, it's their fault, they're not in work. That's all the right, yeah. Mm. Uh, we can't really go into this, but it would be worth exploring this historical period a bit more, as apart from the loss of the commons in its original form, it is there that much of the ideology of capitalism and its sense of it being normal and necessary necessary. has been Mm. created. Yeah, and of course there's little mention of appropriation of our commons Mm -hmm. in the mainstream media. Beside the issue with water and um, some feeble criticisms of PPPs, which is private pa- uh, private public partnerships, which we'll talk about in a mm-hmm. program yeah. on its own, I think. In the main, public commentary assumes the rightness of capitalism's neoliberal project. That is, that we should leave private market forces to regulate every part of our lives. Well, we can see how well that's going with profit-motivated companies overseeing aged care disability and job services, and I am doing air quotes for services for <laughs> yeah. unemployed people, to name a few. So um, when will we learn? On that note, probably good to get a bit of a breather and turn to All Used Up by Roy Bailey. Well, I spent my whole life making somebody rich I busted my back for that son of a bitch And he left me to die Like a dog in a ditch And he told me I'm all used up Well he used up my labour He used up my time He plundered my body And he squandered my mind And he gave me a pension Of handouts and wine told me I'm all used up Well my kids are in hock To a god you call work Slaving their lives out for some other jerk And my youngest in Frisco Just made shipping clock And they don't think I'm all used up Some young people reach out power and gold and they don't have a respect for anything old and for pennies they're bought and for promises sold that someday they'll all be used up well they use up the oil and they use up the trees they use up the air and they use up the seas But how about you, friends, and how about me? What's left when we're all used up? Well, 
listening to summer programming on 3CR. To find out more about our summer specials, go to 3cr.org.au. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial. 3CR digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. We're talking about the history of the commons and their theft and how their revitalisation can offer a way out of our current social and environmental mess. So as we are witnessing some kind of resurgence of interest in the commons and the reappearance of the concept in many discussions of alternative approaches to our ways of living, today we'll be looking a bit closer at this at this re-emergent use of the term. The commons. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Is that what you're talking yes, about? That's yes, that's it. In a broader sense, commons refers to shared or freely available material, social or immaterial things like mutual care, freely accessible and usable space, and the use of skills for mutual care or mutual sustenance, and community-based artistic or uh, recreational endeavours. Mm-hmm. With the development of the internet, peer networks also share knowledge software and designs for things with a commons approach, Linux being one example. They often refer to it as the creative or the digital commons. For this program, we will mainly focus on the commons as natural and human social resources and spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As public and common goods are often confused, public and common, the distinction between them is really their form of governance. So whereas public goods are managed by governments, public goods are managed by governments on our behalf, of course, supposedly, common goods are self-managed by the communities themselves. So in short, the commons refer to shared resources co-governed by its user community according to the rules and norms sit down by that community. There are two main types of commons with regard to their content. The material ones, already I referred to, mm-hmm. land, land air, water. water, means of production, mm-hmm. and immaterial, language, knowledge, culture, digital information resources, open source software, Linux I mentioned before, hardware, and so on. Irrespective of their content, the commons can be regulated, unregulated or semi-regulated in some ways. The commons are a system in which interdependent autonomy Inter- interdependent like autonomy mm-hmm. is the guiding principle of collective cooperation and we may say survival. Oh, no, it's far from a luxury. Mm. Um, I would I'd say the hallmark of the commons is collective responsibility or stewardship and the sharing of benefits for the common good. So much like Aboriginal peoples practised it before white invasion here in Australia and in other continents and countries. So in fact, in many parts of the world, including areas in Australia and in South America and Africa, Indigenous communities are taking back stewardship of local areas, ensuring ongoing social, economic and environmental benefits and sustainability for and by the community as a whole. Uh, two examples of this are Tyson Yukopata's recent work with very important, it's called Sand Talk, How Indigenous Thinking Can Save the World. Mm. And we will put these references on the website. Yep. And Gleb Rajgorodetsky, 
with his Archipelago of Hope, where he interviews eight or nine and works with eight mm. or nine communities I across like the world. I like those titles. One's talking about saving the world and mm. the other one's talking about hope. Exactly. Mm-hmm. In addition, one of the main promoters of the commons as a way to organise our collective life and our very survival, given the ecological predicaments we're in, and I don't need to explicitly refer to the fires which are devastating mm-hmm, our country. Mm-hmm. One of the main people writing about that is David Bollier, together with Silke Helfrich. His work in 2014, titled The Wealth of the Commons, which is an edited work by many, many really good contributions. Bollier tends to use the word commoning as a verb, by which he means the social, and as we would call it the relational and have called it in our past uh, programs Mm -hmm. the relational practices of sharing and of coordinating negotiating and resolving conflicts in a lot of different contexts and ways Mm. that are and keep evolving yeah so the word commoning Mm -hmm. it changes it to something we are doing Mm -hmm. doing that's correct and not just a thing it's something we're doing that's right and there is no Often, no cash exchange, people contribute freely to a group and the benefits they receive and give are reciprocal and systemic. That means they are permanent and they don't aim at individual accumulation, which, Mm. as we know, creates the the inequalities which we suffer from. Exactly. Um, So with commoning, uh, responsibilities are linked to entitlements which I think is important. There's stewardship and responsibility going on among the group to preserve the resource and to ensure that things remain free and fair for everyone. In one interview, Bollier, who you've mentioned a few times, in one interview he said, you need to have room for imagining different ways of doing things than business models or bureaucracies Mm. normally allow for, which of course is what we're trying to do with this program think again yes and it is really important as well again with uh, reflecting on the fires devastating our lands and the floods who do it at times as well it is important to realize that the non-human is at all times included in the sense of community and commons that is animals and the natural environment the same principles of exchange apply to the human with non-human exchanges and reciprocities. So widening the understanding of commons and community as a reciprocal gift-giving. 3CR's giving our prolific programmers a well-earned break. Check out the Summer Grid at 3cr.org.au forward slash summer specials. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR, 855 AM on your dial, 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Today we're talking about the commons and better ways of organising our individual and collective lives. To contradict Como's and others' dictum that we should not be discussing causes and origins of the fires now devastating communities and the land, with Juncker Porta, we do propose that better understanding that commons-based reciprocity between humans and the land certainly would have prevented a great deal of what's happening right now in our land. And here's hoping that it may inform us towards another way of living, particularly also Bruce Pascoe in uh, his uh, quite 
don't work. The second Dark one was Emu. salt. Dark Emu, the first one, and salt, the second one. There's a whole chapter on fire management, and I have read in the age just recently that the fire... Uh, whatever boss in Victoria has very positively referred to indigenous knowledge about that and how they cooperate with indigenous groups to put these elements in the way in which modern fight f- firefighting is going to be informed by indigenous knowledge. So over 200 years after invasion we're mm. learning we need to actually ask yeah, Aboriginal people how yeah. we should manage the land. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, and of course, Eleanor Ostrom, she's one of the original thinkers about the commons. Um, she won the Nobel Prize in economics in 2009, surprising a lot of mainstream mm, economists. Exactly. She showed how communities working close to natural resources manage them well and in a way that is environmentally and economically sustainable. And we would add socially and relationally sustainable as well. She challenged the notion that local people have ac- having access to the commons would inevitably over-exploit them, as, the, as was expressed in a very well-known and widely spread uh, uh, essay, uh, The Tragedy of the Commons, yeah. which I- was often used mm-hmm. by the capitalist thinkers to say, oh, collectivity don't work or doesn't work. Don't yeah. let the people manage their exactly. land. They'll exactly. exploit it until there's nothing left, which I still hear being cited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was listening to Lost in Science on 3CR yesterday, and it was interesting to hear that one of the recommendations of the IPCC to address climate change mm-hmm. is local decision-making, a- a- acknowledging the intelligence and responsibility, inherent responsibility of people who are in direct connection with their land. Another name we should bring back is Michel Bowens. We have spoken about him briefly in our program on degrowth. Bowens has been instigating commons-based alternatives to how we run our economy and our ecological survival with what he or what they is here this group referred to the peer-to-peer approach. Uh, his idea of peer-to-peer production combines the digital commons with the material commons, offering a third way that strongly differs from the for-profit and state production of goods and the exchange of goods. And it's practical and doable. Mm, and it is working across the world meanwhile. The peer-to-peer network offers practical ways and resources for us to live differently and better for sustainability and the common good. Mm. Firstly, we have to know and believe there is an other way of doing things. Mm. So, more broadly, the research that some of which you've been citing, Shark, um, mm-hmm. challenges, really challenges our dominant and destructive way of doing things, mm-hmm. culminating in the belief that we ne- mm. need to bribe corporations with promises of profit so they can regulate our lives in return. So that's the fiction that mm-hmm. we're sold, mm-hmm. that we have to bribe corporations mm-hmm. with promises of profit mm-hmm. so they can regulate our lives in return as a favour. So really? And quickly, it actually also spills into the way we think about the economic and the the survival of the state, of our government. Why that focus on surplus all the time? Mm. Surplus is just another another name, really, if you think about it, for profit, Mm. which in this time is just used to to, to not have to talk about important things. Mm. Mm. And it's our surplus. Please use it to... Put out the fires or raise new start. Exactly. (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, so Eleanor Ostrom, she showed that when communities are responsible for managing local resources for the common good, those communities develop rules over time that ensure mm -hmm. sustainability. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we can trust in their collective practical wisdom in moderating the lives of people and nature in the interests mm. of everyone. Mm. Ostrom said in one of her interviews, what we need is a broader sense of what we call social ecological systems. We need to look at the biological side and the social side within one framework. Mm. Hallelujah to that, I would mm -hmm. say. Thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio with Jacques Boulet and Jennifer Borel. Remember, if you do want to send us a message, and we would love that, or ask about anything from today's program, you can email borderlands at borders at borderlands.org.au and just put Think Again in the subject line. Mm. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.